the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. It's so easy to blame somebody else. It's your fault. It's your fault that I'm in this financial mess. It's your fault that the marriage is breaking. It's your fault that this is going on, that I have so many problems in my job. It's, it's always somebody else's fault. Welcome to Verse by Verse. We're glad that you are able to join us as we continue our study of the Old Testament prophet, Elijah. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We'll be looking at a corrupt king and his bad decisions in today's class. So grab your Bible and open it to 1 Kings chapter 18. It's a good idea to have paper and pencil ready to jot down notes as Pastor Steve leads us through our lesson. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this study. Now, here is Pastor Steve. Now that's the crisis, the famine, the drought. No rain, no dew for three and a half years. How are they going to respond to this? It was devastating. It was not just that they didn't have rain for the month of January. For three and a half years, the skies have been silent. People are dead. Animals are dead. Death stalked the land. And how are they going to face this crisis? Verses 3 and 4 tell us about two men we're going to look at. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it came about when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and with water. Obadiah was a follower of Jehovah. He even risked his life to hide 100 prophets of Jehovah, which Jezebel set out to murder. He's a unique man. He's one of the few in the land of Israel that has not bowed the knee to Baal. Verses 5 and 6. Then Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we'll find grass and keep the horses and mules alive and not have to kill some of the cattle. So they divided the land between them to survey it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. The effects of the drought were so bad that Ahab feared he would lose his, his animals, primarily the horses and the mules. You say, why, why was that so important? Because the military was involved in that. Ahab was, was noted, well known for a strong military army. They traveled on these animals, and he needed them. So he and Obadiah divided the land and searched for grass for the animals. And it's while combing the land that Obadiah meets up with Elijah, and we're given our first example of facing a crisis. We're given Obadiah, who was the compromising believer. Look at verses 7 and 8. Now as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is this you, Elijah, my master? And he said to him, It is I. Go say to your master, Behold, Elijah is here. Now, Obadiah is absolutely shocked. 
Probably he is close to panicking. He's shocked to see Elijah. It's probably safe to say that Obadiah was the one who had, three years earlier, ushered Elijah into the king's presence. And it's safe to say that he is probably the one who escorted him out of the king's presence and palace. And it's probably safe to say that Obadiah was the last one in Israel to see Elijah. He's not been seen or heard from for three years. And now he stands before Obadiah. That's, that's part of the shock. Elijah is the mystery man. He is public enemy number one, but he is the mystery man. He has disappeared from the scene three years earlier. No one's heard from him. Hadn't sent any letters. The ravens haven't told where he is. Nobody knows what's happening, but God and Elijah, and also that widow at Zarephath. But now he meets Obadiah, and he says to him, Go tell Ahab that Elijah is here. In other words, tell him to meet me here. I'm here. I've reappeared again. Now, you would think that Obadiah would be thrilled to see Elijah and would be thrilled to tell Ahab that the prophet has returned. I mean, after all, this is the fellow who's announced the famine, and this is the fellow who they hope will say the famine is about over. But Obadiah is not thrilled, and he's not eager to do what Elijah says to do. In fact, look at verse 9. And he said, and this is Obadiah said this, What sin have I committed that you're giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? He said, what a strange way. What a strange way of putting things. What a strange reception for the prophet. I mean, talk about a, a welcome greeting to Israel. Why would he say that? Well, look at verses 10 11 and part of verse 12. As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master is not sent to search for you. And when they said he's not here, he made the kingdom or nation swear they could not find you. And now you're saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. And it will come about when I leave you that the spirit of the Lord will carry you where I don't know. So when I come and tell uh, Ahab and he cannot find you, he'll kill me. He'll kill me. In other words, Ahab has been looking for you everywhere. If I tell him you're here and then you disappear on me again, Ahab is going to take out his frustration on me and it will be the end of my life. In fact, maybe involved in, in Obadiah's fear is that, is that he's thinking that maybe Ahab is going to think that I've hidden you all these years. I mean, after all, I've hidden the prophets of, of Jehovah. Maybe he'll think that I've, I've kept you in a cave for all these years and he'll, he'll kill me. Now, Obadiah's objection at first glance may seem very reasonable, may seem logical, may make sense, but it's a cop-out because it reveals a very serious flaw in his character. He was a compromiser. He faced the crisis of the famine by compromising the truth. And this personal encounter with Elijah only serves to reveal his double-minded attitude, his compromising approach to things. You say, now wait a minute. Back in verse 3 and 4, we read that Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. In fact, you just said, Steve, that, that he was one of the few who hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. Why would you call him a compromiser? God doesn't specifically say that there's anything wrong with him. No. No, in fact, in fact God says specifically, directly, that he was, a, he was a follower of Jehovah. 
But I think that's included in the scripture so that we'll see that what he, what he really was was a compromiser. Sort of like a carnal believer. He loved the Lord, but he wasn't consistently obedient to the Lord. Obadiah was a believer, but did a cowardly thing, an inconsistent thing. You know, even his name means servant of the Lord. But he wasn't truly God's servant in a consistent manner. Let me tell you what I mean. He was the highest ranking official in Ahab's court. In fact, technically, he was next to the king in authority, which I say technically, it was really Jezebel was the king, and Ahab, who was the queen, and then came Obadiah. Jezebel ruled Israel in reality. Now, there's no way, being such a high-ranking official, there's no way that Obadiah could have avoided being a part of the terrible wickedness that was going on in Israel at that time. And I mean, it was terrible. There had never been any time like it. In fact, 1 Kings 21, 25 says this. It says this. Surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. There was no one like Ahab. No one in all of Israel's history up to that point who had sold himself to do evil like Ahab did. Now, this man is second in command, probably the closest person to Ahab. Are you try- uh, would you tell me that he didn't compromise? Surely he had a compromise to keep his job, let alone keeping his life. Even if he didn't actually participate in the sins of Baal worship, which I question. Even if he didn't actually participate in those sins, he certainly didn't raise any objections to it, didn't raise any protest to it. Jezebel would have killed him for sure, certainly would have lost his high position. No, he kept quiet. He kept quiet when he should have been outspoken. Baal worship must have permeated the royal palace. And how could Obadiah have escaped compromising with such idolatry when it's going on there? And don't misunderstand me. There is absolutely nothing wrong for a believer to work for an unbeliever, even a wicked unbeliever. In fact, it's a great opportunity to be a witness for Christ. Work hard, witness when the Lord gives you an opportunity, and so forth. Have a good attitude, be obedient, so forth. In fact, first... Corinthians chapter 5 says, if you're, going to, uh, if you're not going to have contact with the world, you've got, to, you've got to stop living. Okay, so we're not talking about that. It is not wrong for a believer to work for an unbeliever. But it is wrong when you participate in the evil of the unbelievers. And you don't let people know where you stand. That's when it's wrong. Now, some have tried to say, well, Obadiah wasn't wrong. Look at Daniel and look at Joseph. They worked for, uh, were for wicked kings. But there is no parallel. There is no true parallel. Because when Daniel and Joseph were faced with a compromising position in their lives, they stood for the truth and they suffered for it. Daniel and Joseph did work for wicked unbelievers. But they were tested and they refused to be involved in the sinful practices of their bosses. Obadiah conveniently turned away from confronting Ahab with his sin. He basically avoided the real issue of the crisis. That's how he faced it. He avoided it. Even though he knew the truth, he pretended that the truth wasn't really there. He pretended that he doesn't know why the famine is really hit. 
And there he is involved with, with Ahab looking for grass. And all. all he had to do was say, Ahab, you're the problem. You and Jezebel and worshiping Baal in Israel, that's the problem. But he never did that. He just went on doing his job without standing for the Lord. You know, Obadiah is like a lot of Christians. Secret Christians, sometimes not so secret, but certainly carnal Christians, who purposely avoid dealing with the issues and making proper biblical decisions because it'll cost them too much. They have too much to lose, so they don't face reality. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to lose their their salaries. They don't want to lose that job promotion. They don't want to lose the, the prestige in somebody's eyes. So they just keep quiet. See, that's a spirit of compromise, and it, and it comes out in how he even deals with Elijah. Elijah, who is a prophet of God, says, Obadiah, go tell Ahab I'm here. Now listen, when a prophet stands before you and says, go tell someone I'm here, you just move. You don't stand there debating with him, but that's what, that's what he did. He has straddled the fence so long that he is torn now between obeying the word of God through Elijah and the fear of being killed by Ahab. You see, he's a compromiser. He doesn't know what to do. He's trapped between his devotion to God. And I don't question that he, that he, that he feared the Lord. The problem is he also feared Ahab. And he wasn't sure who he feared more. So he tries to impress Elijah by telling him what he's accomplished for the Lord. Look at the rest of verse 12 and then through verse 14. He says, he'll kill me, although I, your servants, have feared the Lord from my youth. You see, there's a self-righteousness there. He says, has it not been told to my master what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? That I hid a hundred prophets of the Lord by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water. And now you're saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah said, he'll kill me. What he's really saying is, and I'm so valuable. He's really just trying to impress Elijah with what he's done for the Lord. And I think really the heart of what he's saying is, Elijah, you want me to do this and get killed? Haven't I done enough already? I mean, what more? I've paid my tithes. I've done my Christian service for the week. What more do you want me to do? Folks, we need to learn from the compromise of Obadiah. Obadiah was a man who had good intentions. I'm convinced that he had good intentions, but he was sucked into the sinful system of his day. He wanted to do what was right, but he didn't want to pay the cost of doing what's right. And you know what his problem was? It's, it's 1 John 2.15, where John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Don't love them. Don't love them. You know what happens when you love them? It's James 1.8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A carnal believer loves the Lord and he loves the system too. And he's, he's unstable. He's double-minded. He's not sure where to go. And there's an instability that follows him all of his life. And that's Obadiah's problem. And there are many Christians just like Obadiah. They love the Lord, but they aren't committed to him. They love the system too much to give it up. They like the honor, the money, the prestige, and they entangle themselves with alliances that eventually compromise their testimony. What kind of a testimony did Obadiah have? Absolutely none. 
regardless of his service for the Lord. He had absolutely no testimony. All he could say is what he did for the Lord. But he had no testimony for the Lord. Doing something for the Lord is not really a testimony for the Lord. What do I mean by that? I mean this. Make sure that you don't do things for the Lord to cover up your lack of godly living. Make sure that your Christian service is motivated by love and not just trying to to appease your conscience because you're not living a consistent life. See, there are many that when when the crisis comes, they cop out rather than face the issue biblically. They just sort of pretend it's not there. And they do what's best for themselves. They don't face it as God would have them face. They do what's best for themselves. And then they just try to ease their conscience by doing a little bit for the Lord. When the crisis of God's judgment came, Obadiah wasn't prepared to boldly speak up and speak out for the Lord because he had played around with the system too long. He just fooled around with the system. All he could do was hide the prophets and he, he just thought that was enough and that is that was not enough. In fact, I don't see anywhere here that Elijah was very impressed with that. He could have been a force against the evil of his day, but he had to operate in secret because he lost his credibility as a believer. Had he told Ahab how he really felt, Ahab probably would have just laughed in his face. How about yourself? When the crisis of life hits you, How will you respond? If you compromise before the crisis, you'll compromise when the crisis comes. That's how you prepare for the crisis. You obey on a daily basis. So when the big things hit and the real problems come, you're prepared. You don't have to wonder which direction you're going to go. It's absolute obedience. There's no question about it. Years ago, in fact, many years ago, about a hundred years after the Lord Jesus had returned to heaven, a man came to Tertullian, who was an early church father, And he said, I've come to Christ, but I don't know what to do. I have a job that I don't, uh, that I don't think is right. But I have to live. You know what Tertullian said? And I think this is classic. All he answered was, must you? In other words, do you really have to live? And the answer is no. You don't have to live, but you do have to do what's right. If you're to have any kind of a commitment to Christ. You, You and I really don't have to live. If it's a matter of loyalty to Christ or death, you choose loyalty to Christ. See, God will take care of your life, but he's called us to take care of our obedience and commitments. And that means consistency. Determine that you'll obey the Lord regardless of the circumstances and you'll be able to face a crisis properly. Loyalty to Christ above all. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 6.26, Woe when all men speak well of you. That was Obadiah's problem. He wanted the Lord's people to speak well of him. He wanted Ahab to speak well of him. He wanted Jezebel to speak well of him. And you just can't have it that way. Obadiah wasn't always obedient. He didn't make that determination in his life. So when he faced, when faced with the struggles of obedience, look what happened in verse 15 and 16. I mean, Elijah here has to say to him, get going, get going. This man's reluctant. And Elijah says, the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand. I will surely show myself to him today. And I, and I could sense that Elijah said it with a, with a feeling of frustration. He, he swore by Jehovah. He's taking an oath here. As, as the Lord lives, I'll stay here. I'll, be, I'll not leave. Now get going. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Reluctantly, 
he carries forth Elijah's words. Now, what about Ahab? How did he face the crisis? Was he a broken man? A repentant man? After three years of all these struggles? Verse 17. And it came about when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? Nice reception, huh? You know, the noun form of this Hebrew word is you snake in the grass. I mean, I've been called some mean things in my life, but never a snake in the grass. That is really low. A snake in the grass, that's what Elijah said to, that's what Ahab rather said to Elijah. Do you know how Ahab responded to the crisis in his life? He became hardened, calloused to the truth. Listen, this man should have been broken. He should have been searching for God, not searching for grass for his animals. What a pitiful picture. And, he, and the picture is he's more concerned about animals than people. And he's certainly more concerned about animals than Jehovah. It's like Pharaoh. He just hardened his heart to the truth. The truth will either melt your heart or it will harden it. And it hardened his heart. In fact, this man's heart is, is so hard that the Bible says he also killed the prophets of the Lord. He's just calloused. This is how an unsaved man, and unfortunately some believers do it too, handle God's severe dealings in their lives. You know how? You know how Elijah, uh, rather Ahab handled it? He reacted with hostility and he blamed others. Do you see that? He avoids the responsibility. Uh, Ahab said, Elijah, you are the problem. You're to blame for all of this. What an absolutely stupid statement. Absolutely stupid. That's a harsh word, but that's the word that fits Ahab. Ahab is bitter and he is resentful. You know, this is the way the world looks. The world looks for someone upon whom they can pin the blame for the disasters that overtake them. Isn't that true? Haven't you found that? Just one excuse after another. If it's not God himself who is charged with their calamities and their tragedies, then it's, then it's other people. And usually it's God's people. That's how Ahab handled it. He just completely turned from the real message of God and he just completely distorted it. You know, it's sad to say, but many believers are just like that. They blame other people for the crisis that they face instead of looking to God and finding out what is really the problem. It's so easy to blame somebody else. It's your fault. It's your fault that I'm in this financial mess. It's your fault that the marriage is breaking. It's your fault that this is going on, that I have so many problems in my job. It's, it's always somebody else's fault. But James chapter 1, and I want you to remember this. If you don't turn there, I'd like you to mark this down. James chapter 1 says this, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously. Now what does that mean? In its context, James is talking about the crisis of life, the trials, the tests, the problems of life. And he says, when you're going through a problem, ask God for wisdom to discern what the real issue is. It's not just a verse out of context which says, well, just ask God for wisdom any old time. And I, I think there's a truth there. We can always ask God for wisdom. But specifically, James is referring to the difficult moments in life when you don't know what's happening. Don't blame others. Ask God. 
Seek God. That's what Ahab should have been, been doing. Seeking God rather than grass. But he wasn't. So he's just corrupt, hard man. He just avoided the issue. He didn't even know what the real issue is. He's chosen to not listen to the word of God. What a bad choice King Ahab made. May we never be guilty of not listening to the Lord when he speaks to us through his word, the Bible. Thank you for joining our class today. Go to our website, versebyverseradio.org, and listen to it again. Just click on Message Archive, and then Sort by Date. You can download any number of messages free of charge. Our phone number is 727-239-0306. Call us if you have questions about this program, your walk with Christ, or just have someone pray with you. We are here to serve you in any way we can. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. Our mailing address is Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Our phone number once again is 727-239-0306. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden. In our next class, we'll be looking at the third man in this message, the courageous prophet. See you then on Verse by Verse. Faith Talk 570 W. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.